0: The word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 15. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. Among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, He is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Like it or not, Advent gets treated as the warm-up act for Christmas. More than once, different merchants have marketed the 12 days of Christmas as the 12 days before Christmas, reminding you with a deal each day that it's not too late to shop. With all that goes on at Christmas for many, it's easy to devote these weeks to preparation for December 25 with gift shopping, meal planning, figuring out travel arrangements, attending various parties and concerts, and more. Really, there's so much made of Christmas today that there's not enough time during the actual 12 days to take it all in, so Christmas spills out across all of the preceding month. I have mixed feelings about this. On the one hand, Advent gets shortchanged. If you took the season of Advent and celebrated it in July, far away from Christmas, Advent would still stand up all by itself and shine instead of being the girl that everybody elbows aside to talk to her big sister. I mostly fall on this side with my mixed feelings. But if I've got to find a silver lining in Advent as the also-ran season, it's a reminder that Advent is, by nature, a season about waiting and expectation. Now, if you spend the whole time of Advent waiting only for Christmas, though, you're missing out. Nevertheless, Advent is all about the Christ appearing and making himself known to deliver his people, be that as a baby in the manger, the beloved Son at the Jordan, the risen Savior in his means of grace, or the Lord returning in glory on the last day. The short days of December only reinforce that Christ the light dwells with us until he returns again in glory. You want this time of expectation to end because you want Christ to return. Until then, we wait. The wait can be long, and that can be troublesome because we're usually not good at waiting. Whether we're waiting for something good or bad, time tends to slow to a crawl. We find John the Baptist waiting in our gospel reading. He's in prison, and he's in prison for taking seriously his prophet's job of calling people to repentance. A prophet can't play favorites because God desires all to repent and be saved. So when Herod talks his brother's wife into dumping her husband and marrying him, John calls for Herod to turn from his sin. And Herod responds by putting John in prison. So there John sits, and there John waits. He hasn't just been preaching about repentance and the forgiveness of sins. He's been telling people that the Messiah is at hand. He has preached that the Christ comes with power to judge the nations, to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's identified the Messiah to be Jesus of Nazareth, and after baptizing him, He's declared Jesus publicly to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Since then, Jesus has been going from town to town, preaching the gospel and working all sorts of powerful wonders while John is still sitting in prison. Which leads to a pretty good question. If Jesus is the Messiah and has such power, and John is his guy, the prophet prophesied by Isaiah, who comes to repair the way of the Lord, then how come John is sitting in prison? If Jesus is working wonders left and right, and since Isaiah prophesied that he would come to set captives free, how come John is a captive not set free? Or, as John politely words it when he sends his disciples to Jesus, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? To be fair, we don't know if it's John who's wondering, or if it's his disciples who are asking. Either way, though, they know who has the answer. Jesus could just say, yes, I'm the Messiah. Instead, though, he says, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. In other words, he points John and his disciples to the scriptures and essentially asks them to see if he fulfills them. A little while ago in our Old Testament reading, You heard that beautiful prophecy about the Messiah that when he appears, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. This is what Jesus puts before John and his disciples. When the Messiah comes, he will make the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame leap, and the mute sing. If... Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy and all the other prophecies, then he is the one, and he has come. Is Jesus doing these things? Yes, and more. He's cleansing lepers and casting out demons and even raising the dead. Furthermore, he adds that he's preaching good news to the poor, which fulfills another prophecy in Isaiah 61, verse 1. Now it isn't coincidence that Jesus brings that prophecy into play because Isaiah 61 verse 1 goes on to say that the Messiah comes to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Far from ignoring the fact that John the Baptist is in prison, Jesus addresses it and he adds, Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. People get offended by Jesus. Of course, unrepentant sinners get offended when his law condemns their sin, which is why Herod threw John into prison. But repentant believers are always in danger of being offended by Jesus. It's about the waiting. John is at risk of being offended by Jesus because the Messiah comes to set prisoners free, but John isn't free yet. The blind might be offended by Jesus because the Messiah comes to make them see, but they don't see yet. And the lame might be offended because the Messiah comes to heal them, but they can't leap yet. Sinners are not particularly patient, and suffering makes it easy to be impatient. So they want Jesus to act now, or else they take offense. Which is a bit like being rescued from a sinking ship in the middle of the ocean and then getting angry at your rescuers, because it's going to take three days to get to land. As St. James reminds us in our epistle for this morning, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Now, no one wants to be Job. Everybody wants to be the blind or the deaf individual whom Jesus heals on the spot, except they forget that these people have been blind or deaf for years, if not from birth. They too had to wait. Impatience is a sin that attacks faith because it leads you to be offended by Jesus. But that's not the big problem here. The bigger problem is that it denies how the Lord has chosen to work in this fallen world. When John's disciples are leaving, Jesus speaks well of John to the crowd and confirms that John is a true prophet of God. In fact, he is the prophet prophesied by Malachi in Malachi 3.1 and 4.5. Then Jesus says this, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. As a prophet, John foretold the coming of the Messiah. In fact, says Jesus, John is still prophesying because he's foreshadowing what will happen to the Messiah. If there are those who are offended that John is arrested and in prison while the Messiah is going about his public ministry, then what will they be when the Messiah himself is arrested, detained, scourged, crucified, and buried? That is what is going to happen to Jesus. But the violence he suffers is not in vain. By that violence and death on the cross, he wins salvation for the world. This is one of the mysterious truths that, delivered from impatience, faith acknowledges. The Lord uses suffering in this world for good, He uses His unjust crucifixion to save sinners. He uses persecution to strengthen his church and increase the number of believers, and the survival of the church through suffering is a testimony that he is faithful and true. He uses your afflictions to strengthen your faith, and he uses your endurance in affliction as a testimony to others that they too can have peace and consolation in suffering. That peace and consolation in suffering is founded on the truth that you are redeemed by his blood. And like every last individual whom Jesus healed during his public ministry, he will deliver you. The wait will end. Nobody wants to be Job, but everybody admires Job for his steadfast faith in suffering. As the Lord strengthened Job's faith, so he promises to strengthen yours. Do not be offended by him, because that's the devil's trick, so that you avoid Christ and his grace. But until the Lord returns in glory, he keeps visiting you here. He doesn't ignore your affliction, but instead he comes to you in his word and his supper to forgive your sins, impatience and doubt included, and strengthen your faith while you wait for rescue. Don't be offended by him, but hear his word. Eat and drink his body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. The wait will end. Though Jesus says that there is no one greater than John the Baptist among those born of women, the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Who is the least? Some will say that's Jesus as he becomes the least by bearing the sins of all to the cross. Some will say that it's you because your name is written in the book of life. And even if your position is least in the kingdom of heaven, that's so better even than being a desert preacher in prison. Either way, whoever is the least, it comes back to Christ and you. Because he suffered, your sufferings are not meaningless. Because he died, your afflictions will come to an end. Because he rose again, he will raise you from the dead, delivered from every last bit of sin and its consequences. On that day, among his enlivened people, all the blind will see, all the lame will leap, and all the dead in Christ will be alive forever. That includes you. Just wait and see.